0: Welcome, everybody. Good to see you back.
1: You get a twofer program tonight.
0: twofer? (laughs) All right. You going to be up here, too? Are you the the second of the twofers? I'm back up. (laughs) (laughs) Backing way up. I don't know if you heard one of the things Harold said in his prayer was asking the Lord to help us grow in our faith, and this is how we do it, one of the ways we do it. We open up his word and we talk about what it says, try to make application to ourselves. So that we'll be a little more a little more like Jesus. So we are talking about Jesus from the Gospel of Luke. Welcome to all of you who are here. Welcome to all of you online and you who are online cannot see that there has been some kind of a huge shift in this congregation. The the North congregation has moved to the south. And we we've got a full congregation over here and you guys are just kind of begging for uh, pew warmers, right? It, it, what's that? Satisfied with what you've got. Is that what, something along those lines? <laughs> <I'm gonna laughs> Niecy's covered her face and Matt's laughing, so I don't know if that's a good sign or not. <laughs> Do you remember? Let me ask some questions by way of review. Where was Jesus when he read from the 61st chapter of Isaiah? Synagogue? Yes, synagogue. What synagogue? What town? Where did he grow up? Nazareth. Did somebody say Nazareth? If you did, this is the ear that doesn't work as well now. Seriously. So it, it was Nazareth, his hometown. He read from the sixty-first first. I've been watching too much cartoons. Sixty-first chapter of Isaiah. What did Jesus say following the reading of the sixty-first chapter of Isaiah, and how did the crowd respond to what Jesus said? Yes. This prophecy from the 61st chapter of Isaiah has been fulfilled in your ears. And he closed the book and sat down. Well, it was a scroll. And people were wondering about the things that he had said. And then he added to that a little history about Elijah and Elisha and things that they did. How Elijah... uh, blessed the, the, the Gentile woman, and Elijah or Elisha blessed the Gentile man, Naaman, namely. And at that point, what they do? And you can read this. It's not against the rules to go back to chapter 4 and read any of this. Just kind of refresh your memory. Yes, they got so angry they wanted to throw him off a cliff. There was no discussion. There was no, hey, you know, let's think about what he had to say there. They just wanted to throw him off the cliff. A very interesting turn of events. So, where'd Jesus go when he left Nazareth? Capernaum? Somebody say Capernaum? If you did, you're right. He went to Capernaum. That's about uh well both of them are up in galilee so it's it's a bit of a walk not that far and what observation did the people of capernaum make regarding jesus when he taught in their synagogue taught with authority his it wasn't just that he did things that were miraculous, wonders, signs. It was that his teaching had authority. It made sense. It was it was powerful. They could relate to it. There was substance to it. So that's what they had to say about it. One more. Where'd Jesus go next? Still in Capernaum. Where'd he go when he left the synagogue? And what'd he do there? Okay, that's coming, but there's one more place that he went. He went to Peter's house. and What was going on at Peter's house? His mother-in-law was sick. If he had a mother-in-law, what must he have been? Married, yes. So the first pope was married. Just a little denominational humor there. Peter had a wife. He had a mother-in-law. She was sick, and Jesus went to his house, healed her, and, and she got up and served him. Now, let's, uh, let's back up a little bit. There's, there's a point I want to make, something I want to make, an observation in chapter 4, in verse 32. This is what it says, that they said, They were amazed at his teaching, for his message was with authority. That's what they observed, amazement. I think today that word is perhaps overused a little bit, but the Holy Spirit had Luke to write in a word that meant that, and so they were amazed at what Jesus had to say. Then look down at verse 36. Amazement came upon them all. The reason amazement comes on them all in verse 36 is because in, the, in, in between verses, what did Jesus do? But he cast a demon out of a man who was there. And so this is what they said. What is this message? For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits and they come out. So they're seeing him cast out a demon, an unclean spirit. But what is the observation they make about that? The observation they make is about the, the message, the message. Isn't that interesting? He's telling us these things, and then he casts out a deal. Wow, this message must be something pretty special. We tend to get carried away with the miraculous. It's kind of like when you read Jonah. I used to think the, the great wonder in Jonah was What? He's swallowed by a fish and stays in there three days, and the fish spits him out. But then I read the end of the book, and I realize as a a preacher, the real wonder of the book is a guy that hates them with a purple passion preaches to them, and 120,000 of them repent. That's the real wonder. And so here, they're seeing the demon cast out, and they're understanding that that is lending its power to the message. And that was always the point of the miraculous. When we studied John, John kept talking about and showing us the signs, the signs, the signs. What was the purpose of the signs? When John got to the end of the gospel, that's what he said. I've written these things to you. I've recorded these signs so that you might believe. You might believe that Jesus is the Son of God. That's what the signs are for. And that's what Luke is showing us here, that when the people are seeing this power to cast out demons... They're understanding that this has to do with the message, the power of the message. Now, another observation. Why did people try to kill him in Nazareth? They didn't like what he said. They didn't recognize who he was. He he quotes the 61st chapter of Isaiah and says, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. And instead of going, wow, we've got the Messiah right here. They say, he's saying mean things about us, so we're going to try to kill him. Well, then he gets down to Capernaum. And what does the demon say to Jesus? Verse 34. What's that? Leave us alone. alone. What business do we have with each other? Jesus of Nazareth, have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. And then what's he say? The Holy One of God. The folks in his hometown refused to recognize who he was but a demon knew and he said it openly and the Holy Spirit said Luke write that down put that in print there's a bunch of folks in Oklahoma going to need to know that 2,000 years from now and here we are reading it one, one thing i put in too,
1: kind of a secondary note this is the first recorded time that I have found where the devil went to church
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> he will come to church. He's in the synagogue. That's where he heals this guy. Yeah. And isn't that pretty handy that that this was able to take place right there? All right. Any observations? Any comments about that? Let's... Down in the midst of the people, and he came out without
1: doing him any harm. It would seem like to me if he threw him down, he'd be doing him some harm. Well,
0: maybe he knew how to fall. That's that's what they said in a in a judo class. You just you got to learn how to fall. You you know that's how the Israelites conquered the the Canaan land, don't you? They went in there and used that jujitsu. And all right, moving right along. I can't believe you've not heard that before. What's next? Let me see what we're doing next year. Let's read from chapter five, uh, chapter five, verses one through sixteen. Who would like to do that one? Need a need a hand for one through sixteen? Anybody feel like reading? Be careful, Brooke. It almost looks like you got your hand up. <laughs> All right, Bob. Bob's got chapter 5, 1 through 16, and uh, I think let's just do one more, and then we'll stop and talk about that, and then we'll move on from there. So 17 to 26. All right, Shannon, thank you guys.
1: the crowd was pressing around him and listening to the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Cedicerat. And he saw two boats lying at the edge of the lake, but the fishermen had gotten out of them and were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little way from the land. And he sat down and began teaching the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered and said, Master, we have worked hard all night caught nothing, but I will do as you say and let down the nets. When they had done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish, and their nets began to break so they signaled to their partners in the other boat for them to come and help them. And they came and fell both of the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw that, he fell down at Jesus' feet, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For amazement had seized him and all his companions because of the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not fear, from now on you will be catching men. When they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. While he was in one of the cities, behold, there was a man covered with leprosy, and when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and implored him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And he stretched out his hand and touched him and saying, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately the leprosy left him. And he ordered him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing, just as Moses commanded as a testimony to them. But the news about him was spreading even farther, and the large crowds were gathering to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray.
2: One day as he was teaching, the Pharisees and teachers of the law, who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem, were sitting there, and the power of the Lord was present for him to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralytic on a mat. Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He then said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today.
0: We didn't look at it in detail, what all was going on right after Peter had healed, or Jesus had healed Peter's mother-in-law. Of course, she served him, but then people started bringing the sick folks and and he was healing them. Various diseases it says in chapter 4 and verse 40. Brought them to him and laying his hands on each of them he was healing them. Demons were coming out of many shouting you're the son of God. But rebuking them he would not allow them to speak. So we've got the same thing happening from these demons as the other demons. They're all confessing his identity publicly to the folks who were there and folks were in wonder and amazement he tried to go to a secluded place but what happened they sought him out i'd be seeking him out too and you may remember in john's gospel when he meets that woman at the well he asks her for a drink of water and then he says to her this if you knew who i was You'd be asking me, and I would give you water that would well up in you into everlasting life. It's like it's an invitation. It's not like an invitation. It is an invitation. And here is Jesus. He's not turning folks away, but he does eventually try to find a secluded place. But the crowds kept coming to him. So chapter 5, while the crowd was pressing around him, and what were they doing while they were pressing around him? listening to the word of God. So I don't think these folks are just hungry for the healings and the wonders. I I think, and you know, all of us have a hunger for more than what's going on in normal life. I don't think they were as busy, busy, as we are today. And yet, when you stop and think about everything that had to be done in a first century home to keep things clean and keep people fed, keep people clothed, and you're doing it all by hand. You don't plug anything in anywhere. You don't have a refrigerator, no freezer. You know how many microwaves? This this is the only microwave they had in those days. That was it right there. So they, they were busy, but there's something going on here. In the person of Jesus Christ that is so special that they are pressing around him to hear what he has to say. And so he says, hey, how about if I get in one of these boats here? Push off a little ways. And whose boat was it? It was Simon's. It was Peter's. And so Jesus teaches. And when he finishes speaking, he says, put out into the deep water, let down your nets for a catch. And what's Simon say? So, so here's, here's what makes sense to Simon, experienced fisherman. This is what we've done, and this is what the result has been. Why should we respect anything else? But then, what does he say? I will do as you say. That's
3: a perfect example of what we do, and then whatever results we see, but then when we plant and God gives the increase, then it's just more than we can comprehend. Right. We only
0: see so far. But Jesus says, Marty, I can see way beyond that. Do this and good will come. And Jesus didn't say, I promise you, you're going to have so many fish, you're going to have to fill two boats. He didn't say that. He just said, push out into the deep and let down your nets. And Peter said, well, you know, I've done this all night and it had not done us any good. And this is the middle of the day. You don't catch many fish normally in the middle of the day. But because you said so, there it is. That's the attitude that will prevent denominationalism. Why do we do what we do? Because Jesus said so. Not because some man said so, not because I feel so, not because I think so. Because you said so. I'm going to do this. This is what keeps us close to the Lord. In John chapter 10, I know I'm, I'm, I'm referencing other gospels, but it's it's all the same thing. Jesus said, "Other sheep I have that are not of this fold." That's us gentiles i'm going to make one fold and one shepherd now if you're a smart sheep where do you want to be you want to stay close to the shepherd because he's the one who's taking care of you he's the one who's providing for you he's the one protecting you everything you need as a sheep comes from that shepherd that's where you want to be what did jesus have to do when one sheep went astray He left the 99, that's what he talked about, to go find that one sheep. But that's how important one sheep is. And Peter is seeing how smart it is to listen to the shepherd. He says, put out into the deep, let down your nets. And Peter says, because you said so, I will do that. I never really
3: thought about that. Just like that, that is excellent.
0: It's, it's the book,
3: because you said so.
0: Peter had this exchange with Jesus, and the Holy Spirit says to Luke, write that down. When you read through, I, I read through and I tried to figure out how many actual days are accounted for out of Jesus' life. The number I came up with is 37. I think at least 37, give or take a few, because that wasn't the point. Uh, Luke did say he was going to write in chronological order, which gives me some reason to think, okay, maybe I can't find out how many days there are. But think of that. He was with the apostles for three years. He lived for 33 years. But when we read Luke's account, we're only seeing things that happen in about 37 days of Jesus' life. And we're not even seeing everything that happened in all those days. Think about the statements like we just read in chapter 4 where... While he was at Peter's house, they were bringing sick folks to him. How many sick folks? Doesn't say. Must have been a bunch. He was casting out not one more demon, but demons, plural. The crowd is pressing in on him. The numbers, we can be impressed with the numbers, but the reason the numbers are impressive is because it shows us these people knew something was going on that was different Than what normally goes on. And now this happens. With these men. Peter, Andrew, James, and John. They've got a bigger haul of fish. Than I'm sure they have ever had before. And it's not in a time or a place. Where they should have had it. But there it is nonetheless. And so what's Peter's response? Look at verse 8. Exactly. In verse 8, it says, Simon, when he saw that, he fell down at Jesus' feet, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Who does that remind you of? Do you remember Isaiah chapter 6? He sees a vision of God on the throne. And what's the first thing Isaiah says? Woe is me. I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. It's like he knew that's God. I'm not God. I'm not even worthy to be here seeing what I'm seeing. And God says, Brought you here for a reason. He has one of his angels take a, a hot coal off the altar that's in front of him and touch it to Isaiah's lips, which we would normally think, Oh man, that would hurt and that would burn. No. What's it do? It, it cleanses Isaiah. And what does Isaiah say then? Have you seen the movie Fury? <laughs> they talk about this passage. These soldiers in this story find themselves in a situation where if, if they run from the battlefield, a lot of their comrades are going to be killed later because the Germans are approaching. But if they stay there and try to slow the Germans down, well, that and then that's this passage comes up. Here am I. Send me. It's, it's interesting how... When you watch some of these movies, you find out oh they're weaving God into this, the ideas that are in the Bible. There's a lot of junk comes out of Hollywood, but there's also a lot of stuff that's worthy of taking note. And here's Peter. Go away from me, he tells Jesus. And Jesus does just the opposite. He says, no, I'm pulling you to me. You're going to spend three years with me, and then I'm sending you out. Now, he didn't say that there. <laughs> if you're looking, where did it say that, Mark? So verse 10. So also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not fear. From now on, what are you going to do? You're going to be catching men. You're going to be fishers of men. Jesus is going to make them that. And that's what he wants to make each one of us. Lights of the world, cities set on hills, salt of the earth. So they brought their boats to land, and what they do? They left it. They left it. Now, if you watch The Chosen, it's interesting how they do it, but I want you to understand that it's not in the text. In The Chosen, it shows what they do with all that money, but we're not shown that here. We're just shown that they understand they're in the presence of greatness And because of that, they leave all of that business and they follow Jesus. So, verse 12 of chapter 5 who's he come in contact with? A leper. leper. And this leper falls on his face and he plores him, saying, Lord, what? If you're. If you're willing, no demand. Here's a lesson on prayer. No demand. Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Does God heal everyone of everything? I still know a lot of sick people. Sometimes there's purpose in sickness, there's purpose in pain. And He's not going to send us a letter and say, Here's why you're suffering, Marty. It's just the way it is. And faith is what you and I have to have to approach every difficulty in life. And sometimes pain, our pain, is the best means we have to glorify God in life. You want to do something great for God? Remain faithful through your pain, through your difficulty, through your hardship. Keep a good attitude stay positive what was it somebody said about people who are pessimistic they're they're just afraid they'll be disappointed so it's easier to be pessimistic well faith doesn't point you towards pessimism faith points you towards optimism because no matter what you and I are going through God's going to bring it all right on the other side that's what Romans 8.28 is about what's Romans 8.28 say? God calls all things to work together for good to those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. And that's what he's doing here. Verse 13, Jesus stretches out his hand and touches him. Were you supposed to touch a leper? No. Lepers are supposed to be Staying away from everybody else. You just cover your mouth. And you go, unclean, unclean. And here's a leper imploring Jesus, saying, if you will, you can cleanse me. And Jesus says, I'm willing, be cleansed. And immediately the leprosy left him. And then what did Jesus tell him? Okay, go to the priest. Right. But what else? Don't tell anybody. <laughs> right. Why did he tell him not to tell anybody? Because Luke doesn't say here. Why do you think? Have you read this before and given this some thought? Why, why would Jesus tell a leper that he's just cleansed not to tell anybody that he's been cleansed? He's out of boats. Out of boats. <laughs> that's a good response. I'm going to write that in there because that's, that's a good response. Didn't have a boat. I believe the reason he told him that and tells some others that. It's because he wasn't ready at this point to be revealed as the Christ. Do you remember? We're back to John chapter 2. Jesus at the wedding feast. And they run out of wine. Who comes to Jesus when they run out of wine? His mother. You remember this. And what does she say? She said... (laughs) They've run out of wine. <laughs> and when your mama tells you stuff like that, you know what she's saying. It's your mom. And what does he tell her? It's, it's not time yet. There's a time and place for everything. And for him to reveal himself as the Christ through the signs, he, he wasn't ready to do that. Bruce? Are seeing him do things? Yes, I mean, they'd been witnessed, a lot of people had witnessed him. I didn't understand that part either because of that. Because uh, you look
1: back just prior to that, he was healing lots of people. And uh, so I, I don't know if this was a little bit different or what, what was the difference in it. Because a lot of people had witnessed him healing people.
0: right? And, and I don't know if he told them the same thing. About it. Who is just making a demon listen, you know? So. Yep. Because the, the leper had to go to the priests and he was trying to stay low profile with <coughs> the priests because they're the ones eventually that want to get rid of him. Okay, that's, that's a possibility. Yes. Do you think he didn't tell? Do I think what now? Do, I think, do you think the leper didn't, oh, didn't, didn't
1: tell? Oh, you might
0: think the leper didn't tell. Well, it says in verse 15, and and this is more of a general statement, the news about him was spreading even farther. And large crowds were gathering to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. So the news kept spreading. Whether it was this gentleman who'd been healed, I I don't know. And, And going to the priest's. Was that an issue, talking to the priest about that? That that may be uh, a good point, something to consider. If they had to go to the priest
1: and go through the sacrifice ritual for money, cured of leprosy, So he just
2: you get that done, you're And how often do you think
0: that happened when a priest would have someone come and say, uh, I was just cleansed of leprosy. Uh, I need to go through the cleansing ritual. And isn't it interesting that God put that in the law, knowing what about leprosy? It's It's incurable. You, You can't cure it, well, unless you're God. But it was written into the law. Here's what you do if you get rid of your leprosy. And so this man was sent by Jesus to the priest. Was Jesus keeping the law? Sure, he was showing honor to the law. We're still living under the law. You go do what the law says. Show yourself to the priest. Johnny?
3: Um, if that wouldn't have been Jesus and somebody else touched that leper, what would they have to do?
0: What would the person who touched the leper have to do? Well, he would have been ceremonially unclean. So there would have had to be some kind of cleansing go on for that. I don't know. Maybe. Interesting. Charles?
2: When when I read that, I, this might sound bad. Like I'm trying. I'm not trying to make a joke. I promise. All right. Um, but I've learned over the years that the quickest way to spread the news about anything <laughs> is to tell people not to tell anybody. And I'm not trying to be ornery about it. I'm guys, so we're
0: giggling because we know that's the truth. Shh, it's a secret. Don't tell. Yeah. Exactly. And why wouldn't it? Why why wouldn't you tell about something like that that, that you saw with your own eyes? You were there. You experienced it. John, do you have your hand up? I was going to make a
1: comment. There was a, or a question. There was a spot in the Bible there Jesus healed somebody and told them, after he healed them, to not tell anyone or they would suffer a illness or something worse. Uh, an affliction worse than what they had just been cured from.
0: Okay, I, th- I think, as I remember, he said, sin no more, or you'll suffer worse than, than what you had suffered okay, previously.
1: Maybe i got it backwards in my memory, but that was the only one I remember him saying something like that. Everybody else is just going to say nothing. But that that one character stood out where you will suffer an affliction worse than what you were cured from. Okay, there's your research
0: question for next week. I want a five-page report next Wednesday. <laughs>
1: Harold It seems to me the disciples were seeing a lot of signs they're seeing miracles performed people healed even the the men that became the twelve they were heavily involved in seeing all this going on but I think in their mind they're still looking for this earthly messiah that's going to bring the kingdom they're not yet exposed they're not to the point where they're looking that he is the Christ, the Son of God, as we understand at the end of what we see. And right. I almost think it took his crucifixion and resurrection from the dead to show them what that really was, that he is still not the Messiah of the Jewish kingdom that they look for, the earthly kingdom. But I think they were greatly experienced looking for that.
0: Yes, I, I agree with that assessment. But Here's something else I agree with, and I'm, I'm sure you've experienced the same thing. You're going along just fine and then you see something in the scriptures or you realize something about yourself that you hadn't realized before and you haven't really fixed that you need to fix or you need to attend to. And it's like, how come it took me this long to see this? How come I've never seen that in the Bible before? As many times as I've read that particular passage and I've never seen it that way or understood it that way. And, and that really has an It's like. We are the same as those guys. You start out at one point with Jesus, and the only thing you really know is he's got to be the son of God because of what he does. And and then he keeps doing those kinds of things. Your faith in his identity as the son of God builds and builds and builds. And you would think eventually that would be so impressing upon you that you would never do anything wrong anymore because you are so sure that this is Jesus. And then... And then you find yourself behaving like an idiot. Yes. I don't have to look at Peter. I can look in the mirror. And I'm not trying to compare myself with Peter. I'm just saying this, this is our condition. And so Luke is writing all these things down so you and I can, can read these. And different ones are going to resonate with different ones of us whether it's the leper or the demon-possessed or Peter getting down at Jesus' feet and saying, Go away from me. I'm, I'm not worthy to be in your presence. Whatever the things are that you're reading, at different points in your life, I think, things are going to resonate with you, and it's going to draw you that much closer to Jesus as the Son of God. And it's going to change you just that much because all of this is seed. Jesus talked about the Word of God being seed. And you're letting that seed be planted in your heart tonight and you're thinking about it and you're, you're mulling it over and, and you might not be getting it. But do you remember as a kid, you're going to do that science project and so you put a bean in a cup with some cotton and water and you sat there waiting for it to sprout, staring at it. How long did it take? And the next thing you knew, you forgot all about it. And then you come back. And there's a little something green shooting out of that cotton. Whoa, mom, look at that. That's the way God is. He's constantly working with us and working on us. And you don't even know what's happening. I don't know what's happening, but we're taking it in. And something is going on because the spirit of God is in you and in me. And the spirit of God is at work all the time.
3: Uh, Nina's dad I, I never knew him until he was probably right at 60 one of the finest people i ever knew. her mom same way, knew the Bible You know, they attended here that's why I always heard about Choctaw wanting wanted to come here because I had such a good experience from them and, and from their marrying their daughter and I heard some of the stories after he got out of World War II, you know, until he became a Christian that part of his life and that's not the same man I knew. That changed, like what you're talking about, that right. the, the disciples being with Jesus—just everything is happening. They see it; they're starting to change, you know. And that's what he does to us. And I think sometimes in my mind, to get to the point that I remember back when I wasn't like that, and I, I worry that I get discount the changes that he's made
0: to me through his word and his grace. Correct. You know? right. And you read. You read what's happening, and you see a leper comes to him, and what's he do? Puts his hand on him, and boom, he's cleansed. There was no boom, I don't think, but a, a man possessed of a demon comes, and Jesus casts him out with a word, and, and he's good. And countless people come, and he heals them, and all of these healings are immediate. He never sends anybody away and says, eh, come back and see me in a couple of weeks, and we'll see how you are No. It's just, they're, it's done. But Jesus never healed anyone, as far as I know, in that way from a character flaw. If your character was going to change, it was probably going to happen slowly over time. But at some point, you're like Peter. You realize he's God. And I need to bow down at his feet. And when you do that, things start to change. And it's gradual. And give yourself time. Give yourself time. Because it it doesn't happen overnight. And even when it does happen, you can still go back. (laughs) You don't want to, but you do. You're still made of flesh. You're still just a human being. And this is why... God has said, I'm sending my son so you can put your faith in him, and I'm going to count that faith as righteousness because there's no other way for it to happen. And in the back of our minds, we keep thinking, Oh, Lord, if you'll just give me time, I can be good enough. I can learn enough and be good enough, and, and I can come to church enough and get enough Lord's suppers and put enough money in the collection plate. And No, you can't. No, you can't. Now, attend the assemblies, yes. Study your Bible, yes. Pray, yes. Take the Lord's Supper as we're taught to take. Do all of the things that God has taught us to do. But remember what Jesus said. He's going to read it a little later in Luke about the servant. He says, even when you've done everything that you're commanded to do, what are you? You're still an unprofitable servant. Even when you've done everything you're commanded to do. Imagine. Imagine. Accomplishing that in your life. Getting to a point in your life where you can stand up and say, I now have spent a week without sin. And you'd probably say it just like that, wouldn't you? <laughs> it has to be in your imagination because that's the only place that's going to happen. <laughs> and so God says, here's, here's what I want to do for you. I want to give you my son and I want to show you through what he does that you're going to know he's God. And he's righteous. He's not only powerful to heal sin but he's powerful to remain righteous in the face of all of this opposition and conflict and contradiction he's going to remain god and you're going to put your faith in him and he's going to pull you through that's that's what this is all about mike we're doing good we we wake up yeah right and he's the one that wakes us up
1: okay you know, the apostles didn't know it wasn't revealed to them on everything, he gave them the Holy Spirit. You know, that's how it was revealed, and even Peter himself was corrected by Paul, right? He wasn't perfect, you know. yeah. They're a good lesson, Martin. Really good.
0: Read, read that in Galatians and see if you're not embarrassed when you read that, you're not embarrassed for Peter. It's, it's, yeah, I
1: was yeah, years ago, you know. When it, that, first somebody taught
0: that. How about water? Water in the world. Yeah, it's right there in Galatians. And bless his heart, that's written down for eternity. (laughs) But here's the deal: I think all of mine are written down too. Maybe just not in the Bible. That's what Jesus said. Every word spoken. What's going to happen? You're going to give an accounting for it. That means it must be written down somewhere, somehow. And I, had, That's one of the things that gives me comfort about the blood of Christ. Because maybe all those videos won't be shown on Judgment Day of all the stuff I've done and the things I've said. Maybe that's going to let me off the hook for that. Because that would be punishment. And you know it. And you're sitting there thinking, man, I'd like to see that. <laughs> yeah. But if you get to see mine, I get to see yours. So, What's that?
2: He hides yeah, yeah, yours high
0: high in the cleft of a rock. High yeah. High yeah. High oh, yeah. Not sees them, you know? Exactly. I think I read that somewhere. That I believe that's a second bell. And Charles is having fun pressing that button back there. So we have to quit. Um, anyway, that's where we are. Lord love you. Appreciate you being here tonight.